Welcome to The Ziegler Show. This is episode 482. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. Today, we're going to grapple with the effects of failure on our pursuits. And I have a new show format for you. For many years, you've gotten a clip of Zig Ziglar nearly every week. And since I've been involved, we then break down that clip and help you digest it, help us all digest it for taking action on. Well, we now have the largest library of Zig Ziglar quotes on planet earth here on the show free for your taking. You can go through all of our shows and get all you want of Zig. Actually, that may not be possible to get all you want because you can't get enough, but you get the point. So instead of putting more clips in or repeating any here on the show, we're going to be taking some of Zig's primary quotes and using them as a topic to, to dig into and help you apply to your life. And often we will do that in relation to a guest that we've had on recently uh, in the show. So today I have one of my new co-hosts with me, Michelle Prince, who you heard in episode 480. Uh, and we are going to talk about a quote. So we asked Christopher Lockhead from episode 479 to share the Ziegler quote and value that most impacted him. So we're going to play that clip for you here in just a second. Uh, but then we did something interesting. We took the quote, posted it on the Ziegler Facebook page that is nearing four and a half million fans, got some incredible candid comments. And we're going to go through just a handful of those. Michelle and I are together and just discuss these real world situations as a focal point, things I think that we can all relate to and utilize to take action in our lives. Again, especially in, in, uh, on this issue of failure and dealing with that. You're what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are. You can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. You cannot become what you need to be by remaining what you are. If you can't take a huge step to begin with, take as big a step as you can, but take it now. That's the key. Take it now. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Today's a brand new day, and it's yours. Thanks to all who have been leaving us good reviews and ratings and iTunes and just ask if you get value from the Ziegler show or from Zig Ziegler himself in any format, would you let people know in iTunes? That's what helps them understand what the show is about, what value they can get, and it helps them just find us as they're looking for the best of inspiration in iTunes in podcasting. So to kick us off on this topic, Michelle, what about you? Where have you struggled with failure? <laughs> Where have I not struggled with fail- failure is probably the better question. Um, because, you know, as, as a mom, a wife, a business owner, friend, daughter, all of that, I mean, I, I have failure in each and every area. But I was really thinking about this because, you know, this is the topic that we can all relate to. We have all failed in some area. And my biggest failure in my mind was actually it happened when I was in high school. And it was so big and monumentous that, you know, here I am decades later still remembering it. But uh, I, to make a long story short, I had planned for years that I was going to go to a certain college, University of Texas down in Austin. My brother went there. I just, I, I wanted to go there more than anything. And of course, I remember in high school, my parents always, you know, kind of 
reminding me, you need to study, you need to, you know, make sure you stay on top of your grades. And, and I, it kind of went in one ear and out the other. And so when it came time, my senior year, um, I only applied to one college, it was UT and it was spring of my senior year. I get a letter and it was a rejection letter oh, wow. uh, from, from UT and it was devastating. And I know that sounds silly now as an adult, but you know, put yourself back there in high school and that was my future. And that's all I knew that I wanted was to go to UT. So in that moment, I of course was so upset and it cried my eyes out. And, but it was such a failure in my mind. I was embarrassed because obviously I wasn't good enough to go to the college where a lot of my friends were going, where my brother went. And, you know, I, I, I kind of wallowed in my self-pity for a little bit. And then something really amazing happened though. And, and, and this is why I love the topic of failure because it may feel painful. It may feel like you messed up. It may feel like a major failure. You know what's going to come of it. And I'll just fast forward. So I ended up having to go to a college, um, 30 minutes away from home. It was not something I was excited about doing. I was, you know, miserable going and I just knew I was going to go for a semester and transfer out and hopefully get my way down to, to UT Austin. So I ended up going to college and I loved it. I mean, when I say loved it, I bloomed in college and I realized a very valuable lesson in that rejection letter. And yes, I failed and I should have done better in high school and I should have really been better out with my grades. But because of that, it put something inside of me that I had something to prove to myself. And I studied harder than I'd ever studied. And pretty much all through college, I had 4.0. Wow. I, you know, I'm not saying that to brag, but to go from having your grades be so low that you can't get into a college that you want to go to, to proving that I actually was smart enough, I could do it. But if I hadn't had that experience of failure, I never would have had that internal motivation to change things around. Mm -hmm. And had I really didn't know that I was, uh, you know, divinely planted at, at this other college was, you know, I met my best friends there. I met my husband there. I, you know, became the person that I can honestly say I am today there. And so it was for sure a failure, but a failure that led to a future. Gosh, that's, that's significant. That's significant. And that relates to some of the stories we've got here, you know, coming up I, real quick as I thought about it as well, something that's been relevant, even recently with my kids as they're in sports and in school and, and working on their own achievements. Uh, when I was 19, I was an elite cyclist over in Holland racing for a, a Dutch team. And, uh, it was hard. I mean, it was, it was a high <laughs> level of racing and it was, I was uncomfortable in this foreign country, very, uh, just out of my, out of my comfort zone and got into these races and had a bunch of them where I just didn't finish. I, I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't strong enough on that day or just, uh, not, not really within it and, uh, started DNFing. So that's what you see cycling. You see the tour de France, you know, you got all the guys that finished, you got DNF did not finish. And I, I was racking some up over a short period of time and had somebody finally say, man, every time you do that, you are training yourself to be comfortable with not finishing with failure. And wow. it really resonated with me and their, their calling was just, just finish. If nothing else, just finish. Well, I not only took that into the races, but I, it resonated even into my training. So this is the day when we're supposed to be doing hill repeats and we're planning on doing 10 and I'm by myself. Nobody's going to know. 
if I allow myself to fizzle out, I don't feel good. I don't want to do this again. I'm training myself. That was really convicting to me and, and, and took forward into all of my life. Now I'm you know talking to my kids about that, but just the realization that man, I, for a little bit, I was making friends with failure. I was getting comfortable. I don't want to do that. So that was, uh, some of these, some of these questions brought that up, uh, for me again. So I, I thank everybody for that. Um, well, Hey, so uh, huge thanks again uh, to Christopher Lockheed for giving us this clip. Again, he's a business rock star, co-author of Play Bigger, and he was our guest in show 479. So he sent this to us just the other day. It's about a minute clip uh, from Christopher. I'll play that and we'll go from there. The legendary Zig Ziglar made a huge difference to me in my life at exactly the right time. You see, as a young man, I started my first company. And um, I had no experience, no relationships, no education, and no money. And so one of the things I had to do was go to the Zig Ziglar Automobile University. And uh, he taught me many things, including what I think is the most important skill in business, which is selling. My favorite uh, quote of Zig's is, make failure your teacher, not your undertaker. So Zig, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for providing the inspiration education and motivation I've always needed. Bless you, Zig. Ah, I love that. Love that testimony. Well, so, oh, too. isn't that great? Uh, thank you. Well, thank you again, Christopher. I know you'll be listening to this. So that quote, make failure your teacher, not your undertaker. So we took that, posted it, did a, a quote poster on the Ziegler Facebook page just about uh, 48 hours ago, maybe it, was, maybe it was three days ago, asked people about their challenges in dealing with failure. And I hand-selected some that I believe that, that all of us would relate to. So here's the first one. And uh, I want to get your take on it then, Michelle. So uh, Colleen Alba, she says, yes, I am 52 and only know the basics in computers. I need to pursue my BS and it's a nursing degree uh, to keep my job, but I really don't know how all of the techs, I don't know all the tech skills needed to get through the school reports, etc." Well, she right away got a comment on Facebook. It's the beauty of, of Facebook people collaborating there from Donald Mann. He said, hi, Colleen. I hope I can encourage you in this. In my upbringing, I heard toxic messages meant to limit who God intended us to be. I made the big mistake of allowing society's standards to dictate the success I would never reach. Then I went to one of Zig's conferences and decided to invest in positive thinking and subsequent action. I'm loving life. Don't plan on slowing down anytime soon. I went to nursing school at age 46 and in January, January 1st, that's of 2018. As we talk right now, I'll begin medical school. So excited. You're never too old. So you got that. So, uh, uh, let's see. Colleen's 52 Donald's 46. Now here is, uh, boy, I don't know the name sounds foreign. Um, Dudon, uh, Alex, Alexandra, uh, she says, you can't imagine the effects your comment on me, uh, had, had madam. I'm 22 last year. I went to an engineering school, but I failed. I always have a little voice in my head saying you're getting old and things are too difficult. You can't do it. So 52, 46 and 22. And honestly, uh, Michelle, you know, I, I just, I understand I'm at 46. I, I think, gosh, I really look at it. I think I've achieved a lot. And when I step back and, and look at things, but in comparison, sometimes to my overall aspirations or somebody else who I meet, who's 46 and they're, you know, the, uh, whatever, whatever they've done, I can sometimes get a little dismayed and think, gosh, really, is this, is this all I've done at, at my age? So I don't know what, what thoughts did it bring up for you, Michelle? Oh my gosh. Well, so many, first of all, whenever I would get discouraged, I'm, I'm, we're similar age, Kevin. And 
you know, which we still have a lot of life left, but at the same time, been through a lot. And, and so it's easy to think, gosh, this is, is this as good as it's going to get? Is this, you know, as high as my career will go? And whenever I've ever had uh, discouraging thoughts like that, I just think of Zig because, you know, Zig's whole life, his, his whole career didn't even take off until he was uh, 46. Yeah. Actually, and from that point on, he never really sought a speaking engagement, and he went on in his career into his 80s. So it's so often we think, gosh, if we don't hit success in our 20s and our 30s, then we're just, you know, we're not going to make it. And that's just so not true. We are so much more capable. And a lot of times it's that those failures in our early years that get us to the point of being able to do what we're really capable of doing when we get older. Um, So I love that. I, you know, and I have to share this too. You know, I help people to publish books and I won't tell his name or, or anything because I don't want to, uh, you know, call out his age, but he's in his late eighties, if not early nineties. And he's writing, he has written a book. He's now writing uh, his second book. But when I first met him a couple of years ago, he had a, uh, uh, a huge scare and he almost died, literally almost died. And he decided I still have, if I am still breathing, that I still have opportunity to make an impact and to be the best version of myself. And so he started writing a book. And like I said, now he's working on a second. And so if there's never, it's not an age thing. It's just the collective knowledge that we bring. And and truthfully, you're not going to have the motivation to do anything unless you have gone through a little bit of failure. Yeah. 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 I I like what you said about, uh, you know, Zig. I think about that a lot too, that it wasn't until he uh, accepted Christ at 45, his life really changed and then things took off. And and really the works that we all know about him, I was reading his, uh, one of the devotion, uh, the devotional book that he has out this morning, looked at his face and just realized again that the Zig that we know, he was an older guy. Uh, and my dad always talked to me about, he said, most people create their, or or really launch their life's work in their fifties. I mean, that's, that's the stats, but you know, to our folks here, one of the best things that I ever heard from somebody, uh, well, let's take Donald who talked about uh, going to nursing school and then he's going to go to med school. So he's 46, maybe he'll be 47 by the time he starts uh, med school. So if that's four years and then say three years or more of residency, but even if we just say seven years, he's going to be 53. Well, so if he doesn't do this and just stays where he's at in seven years, he's still going to be 53. And, and what will he have done? Where will he be? The time is still going to pass. Uh, and at 53, what if he spends the next 20 years, two decades doing what he desires? To me, that's a lifetime. I haven't done, I was trying to think, how long have I done any one thing for any length of time? I, it's <laughs> five years, six years, maybe tops. Uh, and so two decades doing what you love. What is that? not worse. So I mean, I, I, I relate to you folks who are talking about your age, but yeah, we have so many examples of people who have just made it happen anyways. Um, and you know, I just, one last thing to that, Kevin is, you know, the time is going to pass anyway. So you might as well yeah. be doing something that you love taking the risk and, and why not? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so here's Amanda Hoagland and she says, uh, in regards to this, yes, I've struggled with it. I had a moral failure. I tried yeah. to dress it up pretty, put a bow on it, but it led to my life stalling out and not moving forward in any way. I keep hoping for the light at the end of the tunnel, uh, testimony to make my mess become a message to help others through, but I'm still feeling stuck more or less. I think it boils down to a worthiness issue now. Amanda, thank you for sharing that. That's deep and, and difficult. I've just, um, uh, in the past year, walked closely with a friend whose spouse had a 
moral failure. And on one hand, I'd say, yeah, it's one of the hardest things to overcome, but, but if overcome one of the most beautiful testimonies and, you know, it's, it's also one of these things, a moral failure. I, I, I love that you really shared that with us. It's really hard to receive grace for. Uh, and I, and I, my first thought is to, for you is to seek out people who have been through a similar thing on both sides, on the receiving end and, and the, and, and, and the doing it and find support and counsel. I've had friends in Alcoholics Anonymous and Sexaholics Anonymous and, you know, some deep things and to make peace with how you may have caused someone or someone's ir- irreparable harm is something you got to do. It's there's no taking it back. It's a wound and a scar that the person will have to live with just as you will. But honestly, Michelle, I thought of Jesus with the woman who committed adultery in the Bible and was to be stoned. And he said, he, was, he who is without ca- uh, sin cast the first stone. It's a favorite of mine because I admittedly, I have an inherently judgmental spirit and it, and in that quote, that, that Bible verse really cuts it off at the knees. Doesn't excuse what happened. I mean, he said, you know, go and sin no more, but it also points out that whoever was hurt has and is, and will hurt others as well. They aren't God. They aren't saints and, and us being wounded and, and crippled and living in shame, uh, nothing that the rest of our life can, can we're not going to help anybody else with that. We're just going to hurt other people. We can bless so many other people, even with that failure that we have had and go forward from that. One thing I will offer uh, to you, uh, Amanda is show 476 was Dr. Kristen Neff. And it was her, she has a book called self-compassion. That's what we talked about, but you can also just type in Kristen K R I S T I N Neff. Uh, and self-compassion, uh, and you'll find her Ted talk. It's been, I think it's got about 850,000 views, uh, and you'll find that really powerful on this topic. Uh, Michelle, what about you? Well, I, you know, Amanda's post really moved me because Mm -hmm. one, just the courage to say that, but two, I mean, everybody has had moral failure at some point, even if a white lie, I mean, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of based on yes. And some are bigger than others, but just I always remember what Zig said, failure is an event. It is not a person. And even though you may have made a mistake, and we all do, it doesn't mean you are a failure. It doesn't mean that you are a bad person. You, it just means you're human. And, and we're all here on this earth when we are destined as human beings to fail over and over and over and over. And some of them are going to be big, moral ugly things. And some are going to be smaller, but still the same failure. So first of all, my, you know, just, just, uh, you know, just on the heels of what Kevin said is, you know, forgiveness is a big piece of this, you know, you have to forgive yourself. But just remember, though, no matter what has happened in life, it is an event, it doesn't define who you are, it may for the short term, but it doesn't have to for the long term, if you see it as this is all part of the journey. And the lessons that I'm going to learn from this are going to change me for the better. But never forget that you are not the failure. Just just the event that took place is what failed. I love that. Yeah, just the, the topic of forgiveness. Um, yeah, what a big deal to forgive yourself. And uh, even as you hope to get forgiveness from those that you hurt. Well, this next one, what to be, I titled it, what to be when I grow up. And it, it, <laughs> it could almost hearken to the, you know, the age related, but I, I really think it's a different topic. Well, Paul, so it's 
Paul Kleinberger, he says, my challenge is uh, I've never known what I want to be when I grow up. Thus, I have had several starts, uh, start overs at entry level positions and have been told that I was too old or didn't fit the profile for promotion as I started or tried to start up the ladder that led to frustration and the internal desire to try something new, lots of success, broad background of experience, unusual skill set often hired, but rarely allowed to strut my stuff. Well, thanks for sharing that, Paul. And, and I honestly thought about you, Michelle, in, uh, in the show that we did together and you talking about book publishing and that so often people come and they go, well, on one hand, they may say, I have no idea what to write about, but a lot of times that they say, gosh, I got a lot of things and you help them pull that out and pull all these things out, but then they do have to land on something. And I kind of thought, I, I wonder if some, uh, well, you tell me, I, I bet some of the same thing that you work with them uh, in here is relevant to this topic. Oh, totally. When I read Paul's, I thought that, you know, passion is such a huge, huge thing. You know, there's so many things we can do and there's things that we are good at. But when there's not the when the passion part isn't there, sometimes it's hard to go beyond just the basics, you know, of success. And and so I would encourage Paul to, to, to look at, you know, of all the jobs that you've had and all the things that you've done. Did you really like them and enjoy them? And was it that, that um, or if not, is that the reason maybe you didn't get promoted to the next level because people can sense that passion. But I'd also give yourself a break and know that just because you, you know, just because you may not have been promoted in that job doesn't mean that you're not promotable. It just means maybe in that industry or in what you're doing. Um, and then my last thought on this, and this it doesn't have as much to do with passion as it does belief. Uh, I have a quote that I say over and over and over because one, it has impacted my life. And I've realized that when you start believing in yourself, people act differently. But the quote is, people will believe in you to the exact degree that you believe in yourself. Mm. And that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes yeah. if people aren't treating you the way you want to be treated or situations in your life aren't working out the way you want them to be. It could be because maybe you don't believe you deserve to be promoted or you don't believe that you deserve to have better relationships or, you know, who all of us have negative limiting beliefs. But when that trickles into our work, sometimes it's, it's hard because nobody's going to give you more belief than you ever give yourself. And so it's something to think about. Uh, I, I, I love that. And what you said about passion too, just reminded me that uh, we've talked about this in the past and, you know, with kids right now, I have, I have lots of kids in school that even there. So from an early age, we are often encouraged to go after those things that people view us as being good at. You know, Johnny's really good at this. Uh, Susie's really good at this. So let's push them that direction. And yet, as I did my own list of things that, uh, you know, I'm interested in or whatever I saw, you know, some of these are I'm good at, but do I really enjoy them? So going back to your passions, so I think that's a cultural issue that we can all look at that. Are we doing things? We may be good at it, uh, but do we really enjoy that? Uh, but also to you, Paul, you know, in, in looking at all the things that I've done throughout the years, I don't think there's any one uh, job or business in, in my case that I did that was everything, but I, I used the same role everywhere. And I got, I got a good understanding of what my role was that I could take places and then find the place where it allowed me to come to fruition the most. And as you say, Paul strut my, my stuff, I will give you a couple quick resources. Um, my dad, Dan Miller, who's the uh, author of 48 days of the work you love. They do a lot of coaching. I mean, got, got the books, got the resources, but the personality profiles, but they work a lot with people on finding that thing that does fit you and fits 
the marketplace. So that's a, a resource you can go to 48 days.com. Another guy really impacting in my own life is a, a guy named Jonathan pool. And if you go to it's Jonathan, J O N A T H A N Jonathan pool, just like swimming pool.net. Uh, he works with a life plan. He's part of an organization. Really. It's a, it's a deep plunge, but, uh, those are just two quick examples. There are other resources, but you're never going to go wrong in getting some outside counsel. That's my point. I think a lot of us, it's hard to see the forest for the trees and to see ourselves. Well, I really encourage you to get some, uh, expert outside counsel to help you see yourself. Well, on to our next comment after I tell you about some great services that are supporting the Ziggler show. First one is Bombfell, B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L. So it's an easier way for men to get better clothes. So here's my story. I don't go shop for clothes, but they are, of course, needed. So I'm an online shopper. It saves me a lot of time and hassle. I pick it out. They send it to me. I try it on, send it back if it's not right and uh, get what is right. Well, this is what Bombfell does, but it takes those steps and saves me far more time and hassle. I still waste time generally trying to find the right thing. It's a crapshoot on getting the right fit. I have to go through the return process and figure it all out. So with Bombfell, I just complete a simple questionnaire on my style. I was matched one-on-one with a dedicated personal stylist. The sign-up cost is zero bucks. I mean, you only pay for the clothes you keep, period. Bombfell is the only styling service that does not charge any fees to work with them. They never charge above retail price, and you get a dedicated personal stylist, free shipping and returns, convenient home try-on, and the ability to preview and edit your stylist picks every order before it ships. So in my order, I actually didn't change a thing from what was picked, and what I got fit perfect. My wife was completely wowed. One shirt, she didn't like the color so much, so I am switching that, so sending it back. But Bombfell is fully personalized. Every piece has been handpicked for you by your own stylist. Uh, your stylist will email you, again, his or her selections, after which you'll have 48 hours to make any changes or even cancel altogether. You're in total control. I found this super easy and fun to make little changes to the color or style. It's the most simple, straightforward service around. They don't make money if you don't find something you want to keep. Completely flexible. You can receive clothes once a month, two months, or three months, and you can pause or cancel at any time. The service is actually that straightforward and easy. Sign up. Set up your order, get a preview email, easy edit, receive clothing. So we negotiated with Bombfell for you, Ziggler listeners, to get 25 bucks off uh, when you go to Bombfell, B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash Ziggler. Again, that's 25 bucks off Bombfell.com slash Ziggler. Open and close. Get it? Close. C-L-O-T-H-E-S. Nice pun. Next is breather office and meeting space. Every time you need to book a meeting or work event, there's a whole set of potential problems to consider. Where's the most convenient location? Will it feel professional? Will there be good Wi-Fi? I've had many subpar gatherings in restaurant rooms and hotel rooms, even parks, and they were lacking, but doing an official meeting room was such a big hassle and expense. I just didn't go to the effort a lot of times. So breather has beautiful, inspiring workspaces for your off sites, your team meetings, client meetings, or even just individual work. The best part, you only pay for the time you need a month, a day, even just an hour. There are no minimums or commitments with breather. They own all their spaces. So you get an excellent, consistent experience. Every time breather is in LA, New York, San Francisco, Palo Alto, 
Boston, Chicago, DC, Toronto, Montreal, and London. And they're growing really fast. Even Google, Apple, and Facebook employees use Breather for their offsites and team meetings. And they already have gorgeous offices. So don't overpay for space you don't need. Book a Breather space for the time you need it and spend hundreds, not thousands. So try Breather. Right now, you'll receive a hundred bucks off your first booking when you go to breather.com slash Ziggler. Again, that's a hundred bucks off your first booking when you go to breather.com slash Ziggler. And then Princess Cruise Lines. If you could take a vacation to anywhere in the world, where would you go? Me, I'm headed to white sandy beaches away from clutter. My home is in the high majestic Rocky Mountains, but getaways are at the mighty ocean. Well, chances are whether you want to trek through one of the world's last temperate rainforests in Tasmania or bike along the winding canals of Copenhagen, Princess Cruise Lines can turn your dream into a reality. Princess was voted best itineraries and they sail to over 360 destinations worldwide. So no matter where you want to go, Princess Cruises can take you there. There's never been a better time to plan a vacation with Princess Cruise Lines than during their most popular sale of the year, Sip and Sail. Book a balcony or above and get the best all-inclusive beverage package at sea for free. Enjoy everything from cocktails, wine and beer to sodas, specialty coffee and smoothies as you explore these world famous destinations. So just visit princess.com slash Ziggler for details. Again, that's princess.com slash Ziggler. All right. This next one is good. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry uh, on pronouncing. You want to give it a shot there? <laughs> Taboho? Let's just go with that. Taboho. He says, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry if we're butchering that. Yeah. Yeah. He says, uh, I, I know what I want and through trial and error, I know how to get there. I know what I should do. And I always talk myself into doing it, but don't. I've tried every way possible to do what should be done, whether I feel like it or not, as Brian Tracy puts it. Uh, I'm reading books on discipline, listening to motivation, practicing meditation, have a personal assistance app and everything I can think of, but still not doing it. Please help. Well, I want to, I want to give you some good company here. And, uh, I just keep getting pulled back to the good old Bible, the apostle Paul. This is Romans seven fifteen. This is from the new King James version. He says for what I am doing. I do not understand for what I will to do, what I want to do that I do not practice. I don't do, but what I hate that I do. Well, if that can come from a guy like that, I think we can all first off have a little grace for that human propensity to yes, have the knowledge. And we can sit here on these podcasts, listen to people, agree, not our head, get inspired and, and actually know what to do. I'm involved in the, in the wellness industry. I was at a, at a conference recently. And then the guy was talking about, um, he's an expert in the area talking about all these, uh, illnesses and disease and, and, and pathologies There's so many of them. It's not that we don't know how to fix them. We just have to make them scalable. We have to help people actually do what they need to do. And, and, and honestly, behavioral economics is something I'm really involved in. And it says a method of economic analysis that applies psychological insights into human behavior to explain economic decision-making. Let me, let me break that down real quick. Our, our last show with Joshua Spodek, and he talked about the SIDCHA, the self-imposed daily uh, challenging healthy activity and the key point of it was self-imposed doing that thing that we don't have to do that nobody's going to hold us accountable to that there's no super acute negative consequence uh 
and we can go forever not doing those things. If we can get ourselves to do that thing that we don't have to do, it not only helps us achieve whatever goal we're having to do, but it also trains our brains to bring us to a level of success. We would not otherwise ever, uh, achieve Michelle. What about you? Well, this is definitely a topic I love. Um, procrastination is, we're all procrastinators. Uh, in my book, Busy Being Busy, <laughs> uh, we talk a lot about that and how procrastination is. It's, it's in everyone, but unfortunately, it is the biggest dream killer because you can have the best of intentions and you can know what you want to accomplish and you can even put plans in place. But if you don't take control of your procrastination, you're just going to be stuck, which it sounds like, uh, you know, Taboho is as, as I have been in many, many, many situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just real quickly go through, I have four tips on how to overcome procrastination for good, because once you can get a handle of it, it will change your life. Um, the first thing is figuring out why being straight up honest with yourself. Why are you procrastination procrastinating? You know, think about whatever dream or goal you want to accomplish. What is the real reason? You can't just say you don't have the time because we all know we all have 24 hours. So some people are really good with their 24 hours. Some let them go. So time is not the excuse. Some may say that they don't have the money. Well, I, you know, that may be the case, but I believe we find a way to do what we want to do with the money that we have. Um, But what's the real reason? Most of the time when I'm working with folks, uh, we identify it's fear. It's flat out fear. And sometimes it's a fear of failure, which we'll talk a little bit more about. But it's in a lot of cases, a fear of success, not, you know, that that unknown of, well, what's going to happen if this works? You know, if I write that book, oh, my gosh, how will that change things? What will people think? Will that change my career? So first and foremost is just getting get real with yourself and identify what is really holding you back because you can't overcome anything if you don't know what it is. And then the second thing is, you know, you have to have a little bit of discipline, right? Everything in life we know requires work. There is no free lunch, but there's such great news when you are setting your goals, when you are focused on what you want to accomplish in life and when they're tied to your passion, then the work that's involved is not going to really feel like work. And, and let me give an example. I always wanted to write a book. I was afraid to, and I, and that's a whole other story. My fear of failure kept me from doing it for, for years. But when I finally decided to do it, you know, it took a lot of work. I was working a full-time job. I had two kids at, uh, in elementary school. So I was getting up earlier than I would ever get up. And I was definitely staying up later than I would normally stay up. And so I was working really, really hard to accomplish that goal. But the good news is, is I had passion. See, passion will pull you. You never have to push it. So although there's work involved, it, it doesn't feel like work. It's kind of like a musician. You know, they're, they're practicing hours and hours and hours on end, but yet they love it. So getting clear, first of all, with whatever goal that you set for yourself, make sure you have passion with it, because otherwise those are the goals that get, you know, put to the back burner. And then real quickly, I'll just go through the last two. And then the the next one is, is I, I call just dust off your dreams. And what that means is go back to a time when you really had a big dream and a big goal and you really wanted to accomplish something. You know, maybe it's, you know, writing a book like it was for me, or maybe it was, um, you know, learning an instrument or taking a trip, whatever it is, go back to a time when you were excited about something and dust it off. Cause chances are good. If it's tied to your passion and your purpose, that you still want to do it. And those are the goals, like I said, they don't take as much effort because you want to accomplish them. But many times we set goals we just don't really, really want or aren't as passionate about. Um, And then the last thing is, and it sounds so cliche, but just to take action now. 
And anyone who's ever lost somebody in their life knows how short life really is and that we get one opportunity and one chance to really, really shine our light, the light that we've been given, the only one we've been given, and to proudly you know, go out and, and, and take risks and not be afraid of the failure part of it because you just don't know how much time you have and you never know the impact you're going to make on somebody. It could be that little, that little child in your house. It could be the neighbor down the street. It could be a coworker you never really talked to, but you're going to impact them. So don't wait. And, you know, I, and there's all kinds of time management tips and tricks you can learn, but if you don't have that passionate desire to just live your best life, that's usually when procrastination creeps in. And so that's my encouragement. Uh, to, to Boho and then also everyone else on here is, you know, don't wait because you just don't know if you'll be capable, able, physically, mentally at any point in the future. So now is the time. I, I appreciate that on, on procrastination. I've got a, a big initiative I'm working on right now. And I realized, you know, what causes me to procrastinate? I'm excited about it. I, I can't, I'm thrilled to do it. I, I enjoy the process. It's just hard. It's just, hard. I realized that and I'll like, eh, check the emails and, you know, do busy work because, because to do it, I really have to focus. And sometimes that's the thing. It's just a heart. Yeah. Like you talked about discipline. It's just, uh, it's like, it's like going to work out and uh, do I really feel like stressing myself that, that much, even though it's, it's not bad stuff. It's, yeah. it's just hard work. Can I ask you a question though, Kevin? And yeah. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but yeah. I feel like for our, everyone listening, we need, we need to be open and honest sure. as well. And is there a chance there's a tiny bit of fear of failure in, or perfectionism that you just know you want to get it right? So it's just sometimes easier to procrastinate in that. Well, do I have to admit that publicly? Here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's overwhelming. Um, the, the effort is so big. I feel overwhelmed to do it justice in making uh, it, and working on the business plan and, and, and investors and stuff. That yeah, it feels overwhelming uh, as well. And so yeah, on one hand, I'm excited. And the other hand, I'm very daunted uh, by it. So yeah, absolutely. Yep. Got me. The only failure you could have is just do nothing at all. Right? I know. I know. Okay. We got to quit this show so I can get on it. So, uh, <laughs> hey, you know what, folks? I am so sorry too. I talked about Joshua Spodek and referenced him. We haven't done, we haven't posted the show yet. It's the one after this. So as I did that, this is show 482 coming up in show 483 to give you a primer, Joshua Spodek. Uh, it's, it's one of the... Uh, I, I don't, I could say every show, it's the best show ever. It's incredible as far as this topic of getting yourself to do the things that you don't want to do. We had a family discussion, uh, the other night about this because it was so impacting to me. So I can't wait to bring you that paradigm. So that's our, our upcoming show. All right. Last one here. This is Aaron Benefiel. He says, uh, I am a 30 year old divorced father raising three children. I currently own an electrical business that I started eight years ago. I went full-time with it five years ago. I got into the insurance industry recently and want to pursue that due to physical health restrictions in the electrical field. The biggest fear is letting go of my bread and butter job, even though it keeps me in constant agony and pain to go, uh, to, uh, and I want to go all in on insurance sales. Even though I've seen the proof of my potential in that field for income, uh, my biggest factor helping me drive forward, however, are those surrounding me, surrounding myself with positive people who know my heart and support me knowing uh, what I truly desire and are like-minded. Well, thanks for sharing that, Aaron, but you're ultimately talking about the golden handcuffs. That's a big topic that we talk about in the pursuit of something when it comes to going from one job to another, or from a job to a business or, or whatever, like you're talking about. Uh, Michelle, I'm sure you've dealt with the golden handcuffs plenty of times. 
I, and those are the exact words I, I used. In fact, for years, I was stuck exactly where Aaron is. And so when I read that, I thought, oh, I can totally, hopefully should give you some hope on this. So I, after I, I started my career working with Zig Ziglar, but I left to go pursue a career in software sales and, you know, to, to be more successful, make more money, all those things. And guess what? I was miserable and I was in it for about 13 years around uh, toward the end of you know, after being in it about 10 years, I really felt this desire and calling to do what I'm doing now, which is motivate, inspire and encourage people. I wanted to write my book. And so when I did, and I launched, you know, this book, and I was so excited, the first thing I wanted to do was quit my job. Because first of all, I hated it. But it was the golden handcuffs. I needed that income to support my dreams and my goals. Um, And so I I kind of uh, give the example, it's a means to an end, right? I mean, you have to look at it that way. And so, Aaron, I kept my job, my full-time job in software sales for many years while I built, built my dream business. And now I get to do this full-time. I get to do what I love full-time, but I didn't get to at first. So maybe it's a, it's a shift in the way you see it. Instead of seeing it as, oh, this job that I, I hate, that, that you know I want to quit and I want to focus on insurance, you could look at it as, wow, Thank goodness I have this opportunity for an income to build my dream business. It's just a shift. It's it's a busy time while you're building both, but it can be done. And the day that you can turn around and shake those golden handshakes or handcuffs is life changing. And I, looking back, if I had to do it all over again, yes, would I have preferred to just open the doors of my business and be successful day one with an income stream coming in as much as I need it? I would have loved that, but I didn't have that. And I tell you, I wouldn't change it if I had to go back and do it again, because what that taught me in those years was the power of effort and working hard and working smart and not procrastinating because I didn't have, I couldn't, I I didn't have the luxury of doing that. And so I know you are like so many people listening who, you know, maybe they want to do something else or they have this passion to do something else, but they are stuck to a paycheck. Just know there is hope, but don't. The worst thing you could do is just uh, take for granted the opportunity you have of an income coming in while you build something else. Uh, that, that's, that is great. And, you know, Aaron, I also got to say big respect to you as a single dad and entrepreneur who's, who's looking to, to progress. So I'm going to, I'm going to come at you with a different angle here. So for six years, I ran an online membership, helping people transition from traditional employment uh, to self-employment. But the, the effort of that is no different than if you're already self-employed, but you're trying to go after another self-employed gig, you are trying to keep your day job in essence, keep the income coming in that you need and do something more. And over time, as the years went on, I heard from so many people, they, they were excited. They were inspired. They were passionate. We helped them find the opportunity that fit them and fit the marketplace. So they had their, they had their roadmap, their blueprint set out. And yet the time would go on and the time would go on. And obviously there's, you know, time management issues and procrastination, just like you talked about Michelle, but a lot of them would say, you know, I just don't have enough energy at the end of the day. I don't have enough mental clarity after doing my day job. And even on the weekends, I just need some rest. And this kept coming up. And what, what I, what I realized is that a lot of my peers, a lot of the people in who are successful in business put a lot of investment into their physical health and well-being, so that they could get out of themselves more because to go from that, to keep that, that day job going to that, that current business going and do something 
else, you needed more than the norm. And so we, it brings us back to a physical and mental well-being, which you actually talked about here, Aaron, saying you have physical health restrictions. Well, you also said you're 30 years old. To hear that from you, a guy who's raising three kids, 30 years old, having physical health restrictions, I, I'd really encourage you to look at that as well. Uh, to That's a big part of your effort here is being well and able physically and mentally. And I'll tell you what we did in this, in this uh, initiative I had, which was called free agent Academy. We actually brought in health as a focus. Well, interestingly here at Ziegler, we're going to be talking about health, physical and, and mental health and well-being as one of the spokes. If you look at the Ziegler wheel of life, you can type that in and look at that and you'll see those. A big spoke was health. And, and as Zig progressed, that was another big part of his story. He lost a lot of weight. He got a personal trainer and that was a lo- a big part of the fruition of Zig was the focus that he put on his uh, on his physical uh, well-being, not so he could be on the, the front of muscle mag. It was so he could think clearly, write a book and do what he felt was God's calling in his life. So we brought this health spoke into uh, uh, free age Academy, just as, as, as Zig has it as part of Ziegler. And it was a huge thing for people uh, to look at and say, I need to address my health and wellness again, not to be fit and beautiful, but to be be mentally well and to think clearly and to have uh, creative thinking. We know that when people uh, stati- are, are not statistically, scientifically, when we look at people who lose sleep, one of the very first things to go is creativity, being able to think creativity. It's the top of the list for, for sleep deprivation. So we'll be talking about that more in the coming months. And again, the next show coming up, 483 with Joshua Spodek. I won't say it's a health-focused show, but as he looks at getting ourselves to do the things that we don't want to do. He uses physical fitness and and exercise just as a good analogy. So it's going to be an encouraging and empowering thing, I think, uh, for all of all of us. And at some point we'll come and we'll do one of these shows together, Michelle, and hit on that spoke uh, as well. Uh, Thank you all for sharing this. And I'm going to ask folks, uh, Michelle, this is a blast to do with you. As I talked about in the intro, this is a new format that we're looking at. Love to hear your feedback, uh, especially if it's positive. Post that stuff on <laughs> iTunes. Let us know. If it's really negative, just send us a text at ask yeah. <laughs> at zigshow.com. But I do want to hear your, your feedback on, uh, on this. Michelle, thanks for your insight. I'm inspired and uh, feel like I got to learn a lot on this stuff just from you. It's great to sit here. And uh, part of my job is I get to be a student. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Kevin. And, and ditto. Honestly, I learned just as much by all of these posts and all of these people because mm-hmm. it's just a journey. And I'll just leave everyone with one thought. And that is, you know, we're talking about failure here. Um, fear is totally related to failure. So feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. You just, it's just part of life and fail forward and you can do it. Ah, I love it. Feel the fear. Do it anyways. Folks, thanks for being here with us as we walk together, inspiring our true performance. Talk to you in the next show. 